create better outcomes with the Huntsford Podcast. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Martin Dodd, I'm the CEO of Huntswood and welcome to today's podcast. Um, and I'm going to be talking to you today um, building on the Complaints Outlook 2021. And today we're going to be picking up on the second theme, which if you remember is all about speaking to the right person straight away. So we're going to get into a really good discussion and just deep dive into it and look at the different ways um, that firms can make the most of this. Uh, I'm joined today by Gavin Halliday, who's the Chief Distri Disruption Officer even. It'd help if I could actually get his title right. That'd be a good start, wouldn't it? Uh, at Virgin Money. Uh, I've known Gavin for a number of years. He's got 30 plus years experience uh, in financial services, working for places like Bank of Scotland, Halifax, we work together at Lloyd's Banking Group. He's then been at Clydesdale and now obviously with Virgin Money. Extensive experience in financial services and especially around complaint handling and customer service. Uh, so welcome, Gavin. Um, let, let's get straight into it uh, uh, and let's kick off the conversation between us because the topic we're talking about today is you know, the, this issue around why is it speaking to the right person straight away on complaints so important? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I could probably talk for half an hour without breaking, Martin. So what I'll do is if I start with maybe some of the headings, you know, and for me, the first heading is uh, if somebody's got up enough, enough head of steam in order to want to actually complain, then they've probably already spoken to some other person in the bank trying to get things resolved, right? You know, and if that's the case, then um, they're already irritated, they're already impatient. So there's a yeah. type thing, which is they want something resolved quickly. The second thing is uh, their, it's their personal time that's being used up and therefore, they don't want to say, uh, be handed off three times, you know, to, to yeah. you know, get to the right person. And the third is they don't want to have to say the same thing three times. And you, you, you and I have seen this many times in the past where you spend 20 minutes explaining the problem and at the end of it, the person says, yeah, that's not me. Let me pass you on to John or Jim. And then they say, hi, I'm Jim, you know, what's the problem? And you've got to start all over again. So, you know, at, its, at a macro level, it's, it's, yeah. more, it's about time and not wasting the customer's time and getting them to the right person as soon as possible uh, that's got the right kind of skill in order to resolve the problem for them. Because it's what happens after that, actually, then is the important thing, which is resolving the issue yeah. to the customer satisfaction. Then getting to the right person early in the process is critically important. The, um, it's really important. I, I agree with everything you just said. The, the, the debate I always tend to have with people is um, when that the customer first calls in, is, is it the person who answers the call who needs to resolve the complaint? Or can you get away with is probably the wrong word, but is it okay to transfer it to an expert and does that make any difference to the customer? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, well uh, no, I don't think it has to be the very first person they speak to. Okay. Uh, but preferably the first person they speak yeah. to. Well, you know, and therefore there are different types of complaints. You know, so if I take a simple complaint, 
you yeah. know, I've, I, I asked you to make a payment and you didn't, right? You know, if the person that they speak to, let's say in a contact centre, is capable of saying, well, hold on, what payment are you talking about? Oh, I see it, let me make it for you. Then clearly you want that person to deal with it. However, if they say, you know, I was setting up a derivative trade, you know, and you seem to have applied the wrong library rate to my loan, the person that answers the phone may not understand what this what yeah. been, let alone deal with it. And therefore, the first person speaking to them has got to be able to triage it, I think is probably the best way of describing it. Is it something they can deal with? In which case, deal with it. If it's not something they can deal with it, as early as possible identify that so that they can then say, actually, that you need to go to some more expert person than me, and I know who that person is. That's critically important, that they don't then cast around the organisation trying to find a home for a complaint. You know, yeah. So one of the key skills in this process is if you're going to hand it off, only hand it off once. Don't hand it off to somebody else who then hands it off to somebody else who then hands it, and eventually you get to the, the right person. You know, So they've got to do enough right at the outset to say what's the problem you know and you know and maybe some of that's done in scripting which is you know um you know i okay you want to complain you know i may not be able to answer it for maybe you can give me you know a couple of minutes of what it yeah. is if i can answer it i will and if i can i'll make sure you get the right person and as much as you can do a hot handoff where they give that limited information in the handoff call and, and almost introduce the person on the phone. I'm now passing you on from, you know, from Bill to Jean, you know, and Jean is the expert. Hello, I'm Jean. I understand you're complaining about your derivative trading. You move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, it, it's quite interesting. I, I get into debates with firms about it. I, I, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the first person trying to do as much as possible but but you raise some quite interesting points which is there is a slight danger with that model that you can try and go too far so i i liked how you described it which is if it's simple and it's almost from the customer's eyes i think that as a customer if i'm phoning up do i expect the person i'm calling to be able to answer it because it's relatively simple i i i love the idea that that person can resolve it and is empowered too, and that sort of thing. Um, you, you make quite an interesting point that, that maybe in the word patterns or the scripting that, that we get to actually, but if I can't resolve it, I'm going to make sure I get you to the right person yeah. as quick as possible. And it's, I think that's about the identification early on. What yeah. is it they're complaining about? Like you say, if it's about derivatives or investments or specialists like mortgages, you want to be getting it to the right person as quick as possible. Yeah. The other thing, Martin, is, and again, born out of experience, people don't always arrive on the call with a flashing light above their head saying, I'm about to complain. Yeah, that's a really so, good so point. Actually, some of the skill is in the listening skills and the, the, the first point of contact agent to pick up on tone and to pick up on pace and volume and to pick yeah. up on word patterns and content. Yeah. That, person's complaining right you know or they're not because as i say you know unless there's a dedicated complaint phone line and some people yeah. have that though yeah. you know if you phone in that line then you, you can assume that they're phoning to complain but it's often it's not things turn into complaints rather than they start as complaints you know i try to make a i try to make a you know i try to make a payment and you haven't done it Right. Well, that's the customer saying they're maybe expressing some form of mild irritance that they yeah. 
fun, but they're not necessarily complaining, you know, you know, you know, and therefore some of the skill at the front end is identifying, I don't know, this person is beyond the point of just asking me to resolve their issue or their query and they actually want to complain about it. And there is a there is a fundamental difference between, you know, resolving an issue that the customer is identifying, that's just issue resolution, as opposed to formal complaint handling. Yeah, you, that's, a, that's a really interesting point, Gavin, because we, we both had experience of this where the customer phones with an irritation, mild annoyance, but it's not a complaint. But actually, the weight dealt with on the call almost turns it into a complaint. Or I, I have seen experiences, and we've both seen this, where the process within the firm forces it into a complaint and you can almost hear the customer go but i haven't got a complaint yeah. I, I just and want it resolved no and they end up going down a stepped process i was actually about to say that that sometimes we turn things into complaints there's no necessity yeah. to do and usually it's a process yeah. or a authority level thing that drives that you know yeah. and that for me is a cardinal sin it really is a cardinal sin where you know the process the, the contact center agent or the first point of contact person doesn't have the empowerment, let's say, to do something, and as a result of that, says the only way I can resolve this is if I turn it into a complaint because I know that Bert, three days along, the complaint handling team can sort it for you. I'm going to register this as a complaint, and I think that's shooting yourself in the foot, bluntly. So let's stick with that as a topic. Then, what's your views on empowerment and authority levels for frontline call center people? So, I mean, I, I, I think it's. It's essential, right? You know, yeah. it's essential, and I think um, you you need to be you need to be a lot braver than you think in terms of giving people empowerment, right? Yeah. They are a contact centre agent, and we don't pay them very much. I'm going to give them a ten pound authority level, right? What tends to happen is they default to I'm allowed to give you ten pounds, so I'll give you ten pounds, as opposed yeah. to actually I should be five hundred quid. And I'm not allowed to do that, and therefore I'm going to try and shoe horn you into ten. So the first thing is, you you definitely need to empower people, you know, and that's not just monetarily. You know, quite often customers just want to be listened to, and they just want to, to they just want to have their day and their opportunity to vent. Maybe is the right yeah. way of it, and they they want to believe that the person that they're talking to is going to fix it, right? Yeah, not just paying lip service to it. So so the first thing is. They're empowered to actually deal with it if they can, you know, yeah. and over to send it if they can't. Secondly, that they've got the financial, um, you know, sort of authority, you know, in order to, 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 to deal with the complaint in a way where the customer is surprised. And actually, typically speaking, that doesn't have to be, you know, £2,000. You know, you know, most complaints, you know, can be dealt with, you know, with an authority level of, you know, 100 quid or 500 quid, you know. So, yeah. you know, you know and, and I think staff calibrate themselves. So if you give staff 500 quid, they don't go, yeah, and then start, you know, yeah. start punting 500 quids out every time because that's the easy thing to do you know because it's such a large sum of money they actually calibrate themselves and i'm not going to i'm not going to do that unless it's absolutely necessary but the flip side of that is if you only give them 10 then all they'll give out is 10 right yeah. and they'll use language and you know we've seen this ourselves martin the language that comes out is well i think this is in around the 10 pounds range right you know and yeah. that's utter nonsense the, the only thing that's driving that is their actual authority. their authority levels you know, yeah and their reticence then to either deal with it or 
have to pass it on to a team leader or whoever it is with the authority level because that's hassle and you've got to explain and so on and so forth. So there's a, the, the first bit is a financial impairment. And then the second one is the ability to actually fix it. And yeah, and I, I would extend impairment to capability and therefore access. You know, again, yeah. organisations, and we've seen this in banking, and I'm sure it's true in other organisations where well, we don't let people have access to that system because it's it's a secret system or it's a specialist system or it's a what have you, right? Or or I own credit cards and you're not getting access to the credit card system. And what that does is it hampers the agent's ability to then fix the problem because I've got to go and ask somebody else to do that, which puts a step in the process, you know. So I think empowerment is broader than just money. It's it's customer satisfaction. I'm going to send the customer some flowers because they sounded like a nice person and that that's all I needed to do. You know, I'm going to send them a thank you card or a sorry yeah. card. You know, I'm you know, and the access to these things, and as I say, access to the ability to fix it is as much about empowerment as you know, pain pain yeah. compensation it's, it's quite it's quite interesting you picked up on that because I was going to say there is a danger sometimes when when I talk to firms, we have conversations and everyone talks about empowerment, everyone assumes it's financial. Whereas actually, I, I see a lot of the time things get passed into the complaints team just because there's no other way of fixing it. Right. Whereas I, I'm with you, if you can give people access to it's usually systems or the authority to do something on the system, that actually allows you to resolve a huge number of complaints. Your, your other point on financial that I think is quite interesting that I see, um, and I've got two points on this that I see get mixed up. So the first one is people assume the amount you give is what everybody will spend. Yeah. But, but I, I find colleagues and staff in firms are fabulous. If you give them 500 or 2,000, they don't spend it. No. That, they, they calibrate themselves what they think is the right amount of money. Um, and I think there's a danger we do disservice to the front line because they're really good and, and they know what they're doing. And my second point that I think is a fascinating one that I sometimes see mixed up is if a firm's made an error and the error you need to correct is putting £400 back into the customer's account or whatever it may be, that isn't financial. That's just correcting a mistake. Yes. So you correct the 400. If you then need to give some flowers or a thank you card or a 25 pound on top of that, the financial aspect is only really 25 pound. And I see firms get that wrong as well. So they made a mistake, just got to put it right. Yeah, no. The other thing, Martin, just, just as an aside is, it, colleagues, um, you know, it's developmental for colleagues to give them broader, broader accountability. Yeah. So there's also a broader piece around if you empower your colleagues, you, they're, they're, they feel trained better, they feel more valued themselves. So I think there's a there's a more holistic benefit to empowerment beyond the stuff that we've talked about. You know, and um, you know, I think it's almost it can be career enhancing. It makes them it improves their decision making. It increases their personal confidence because somebody believes they're good enough to give them an authority level or an empowerment to do stuff. So I think there are other wider, you know, sort of, um, you know, sort of, um, um, you know, behavioral benefits for the business. Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. So you, you kind of get full circle, don't you? The customer gets a better experience yeah. because the person's doing more. 
and then the colleague or staff member actually feels like they're on a development journey because they're doing more and every time I've done research or insight onto this, what the staff and colleagues tell you is the more I can do for a customer, the better I feel, the more empowered I feel in my job, the more engaged I am. So you almost get a ripple effect of benefits going. Yeah, I really like that. I really there's, like. there's one last thing, just because, you know, and you can tell I think this is important, right? You know, the one last thing is, is often speed of resolution and being listened to for customers is way more important than having the complaint upheld yeah. or, or even having a, you know, a big DNI payment made. Yeah. Right? You know, and if you don't empower colleagues, you add in time delay, you add in authority, yeah. you add in, and all of that moves the customer away from yeah. the, I am not only am I going to sort this for you, Mr. Customer, I have past tense sorted it for you, Mr. Yeah. That's really powerful. You know, so to the, 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 the you know, and that's that's the customer centric end of it, which is the customer says, "Gosh, uh, you know, I was expecting because people people have fairly low expectations in reality when they come in. They expect to have to have a bun fight about these things, and if the person they speak to can deal with it, and and by deal with it, I mean end to end. I'm going to find yeah. it." investigate it, I'm going to fix it on the system, I'm going to give you your refund, I'm going to thank you, I'm going to send you flowers. If that all happens with the same person, the customer actually then leaves the call going, gosh, I don't think that was going to happen. I was yeah. expecting, you know, so, you know, so we don't really have a big bar to jump in reality because customers' yeah. expectations are usually relatively low. And if you can deliver that and on a regular basis, yeah. all the research I, I've read on this as well, if you do that well, the, the customer becomes almost an advocate of the brand. And the research we did, we found they actually bought more products because yeah. they believe that, uh, wow, this company's really impressive. If they deal with this sort of stuff well, well, I, I'll just take more things from them because why wouldn't I? Because I know when something goes wrong, they just fix it. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay, then let's, let's do the, we accept the first person can't answer everything because we all know that. So if they've got to be transferred to somebody else, what's your views on how you do that, the best way it works? So, so I mean, there are lots of models, you know, and that's a specialist team inside the contact centre of yep. Mark, more experienced people, yep. a dedicated complaint handling team, you know, a, a dedicated complaint handling team with some specialisations, right? So yep. in reality, you know, the scale of the business will dictate how... Yep how difficult that is and how big it is. But by and large, you know, the answer is you need to get it in a hot handoff to the person that is will actually deal with it. And the skill of that is understanding the question you've been asked. Yeah. And then knowing who to pass it off to. And you're not sitting with, you know, the organization's sort of, you know, um, telephone directory guessing that, well, I think this person's job title looks like they might be the right person to speak to. So there's a bit of effort required in, and I think this is incumbent on the professional complaint handling team yeah. to help frontline complaint handlers to say, if they mention these words or they use these phrases or these sentences, they're talking about mortgages. And mortgages yeah. are Bill, and this is Bill's number. And if Bill doesn't answer it, the hundred will get to Bill's yeah. name. And if it's not Bill, it's, you know, credit cards, it's this person. And, you know, in international, it's the other. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know if you've come across the expression, I'm sure you have, runners, repeaters and rarities. You yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, 
it's the rarities and the repeaters which are the less frequent things. The things the contact centre agent yeah. may only see once a month or may only see once a year or may not even have seen ever. They're the ones you need a fantastic process to identify quickly and say, look, can I stop you there? Actually, I need to pass you to this professional. You know, I'm going to, I'm, while you're on the phone, I'm going to phone them up. And they answer the phone. I've got Mr. So-and-so on the phone. Mr. So-and-so, I'm now going to pass you on to Mr. Dodd, who will deal with your complaint and make sure that Mr. Dodd can. And even if Mr. Dodd can't, you've got to create the illusion that he can. He says, right, I'll do all that away. And if he, even in the professional complaint handling team, as much as you can, you don't then want to subdivide it. You want the person that gets it to own it and deal with it. Eh? And, you know, they should be skilled enough to be able to gather the information to help feed some of the other professional complaint handlers, if it's a multifaceted complaint. Yeah, yeah, some... yeah. yeah. The, um, the, the, you use the word hot handoff. I think I use the word warm handoff. I just wouldn't mind it playing with that a bit because I have this conversation with lots and lots of people that, you know, they'll say, ah, well, it increases average handle time. It does this, it's done that. But, but my view is if I'm the customer, I've spoken to, so let's say I've spoken to you, Gavin, you've taken my first call, but it's actually about mortgaging down. And so I'm expecting to get transferred. I think when I, when I talk to customers, what their expectation is, they know they're going to be transferred, but actually they want to hear a bit of the transfer. Yes. They want to know that all the information's been passed yes. Yes. and that actually when I get to talk to, uh, let's say I get to talk to Sue, who's in the mortgage team, and she's going to deal with it. Actually, quite early on, I hear you talking to Sue, explaining what the challenge is. Sue's going to own it. Sue's going to sort it out, and that you're now leaving me with Sue. That, that's what you mean that's, by that's, kind of, that's yeah. exactly what I mean by a hot handoff, yes. Yeah. The other thing is I don't buy the whole average handling type thing because if you don't do that, right, you're kidding yourself on that the yeah. person you do a cold handoff to actually phones the customer back when they expect. And in the round, that customer will phone the contact centre again. So yeah. all you're doing is you're getting the same average handling time, but you're getting it in bits, and therefore your MI yeah. won't buy that. So I just I just don't buy that argument. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You know, so I, I do understand when people do the really detailed MI on the average handle time that it might appear to look a bit longer on that particular call, but that's because you're taking a snapshot of that particular call rather than the whole customer journey, the whole customer experience. And I, I think you actually save money and oh, time. No, I'll, I'll, guarantee, I'll guarantee you save money, you know, and if the MI was sufficiently sophisticated to say, Martin's been in the contact centre three times trying to get this result in the normal way, and yeah. then you do a cold handoff, and then you don't phone back when you expect them to, and then Martin phones another three times. If, you, if your MI was cute enough to say, Martin's phoned seven times, if you work out the average handling time of seven against a single call where there's a, where there's a warm or hot handoff, however you describe it, then you'll find that actually you're saving time. And then if I was just summarising that, because I really liked how you how you worded this, because I hear people getting to debates around, ah, oh, we need to have a model that call centre does this and the specialist team do that. Actually, what I heard you say was, it doesn't necessarily matter what your model is, as long as you're empowered at the front end to do the sim relatively simple stuff the right way, access to systems, financial empowerment. 
And then however you structure yourself, whether it's within the call centre, dedicated complaints team, one complaint team, in a funny kind of way, that will be dependent on type of business you are, how you structure yourself. As long as the person who answers the call knows where to go based on what the customer said, the right person's answering the call, they have the conversation, the call gets passed through. It kind of doesn't matter. Is that yeah. fair? Is that what yeah, I'm saying? And to be honest, the only build I would put on that is, depending on your industry, there may be different regulatory burdens. So yeah, okay, good point. So therefore, occasionally, you know, in banking, even if you resolve it at first point of contact, there's a specific resolution letter or, or acknowledgement by email you've got to make. And therefore, colleagues need to know that. And so therefore, there is a there is a minimum standard that everybody's got to get to. But if they're capable of stopping standing orders and opening accounts and changing addresses, you know, it's just another process that they've got in the flowchart that they've got to be able to access at the point to say that was a complaint and there's a process I've got to complete. But by and large, if they can complete it at first point of contact, the FCA, you know, God bless them, have actually made it a relatively simple process. And the letter is relatively templated and therefore yeah. you don't have to go into great screeds of, you know, you said this and I said this and I've done an investigation and blah, blah, blah. The way a, you know, a, a proper formatted final response letter may do if it gets further down the process, both in complexity or time. But, so just one final point, because the danger is, me and you all talk about this for hours and we we, we want to keep it re relative relatively brief the the other model that people challenge me on when i talk about empowering the front line is ah it's too difficult to do because you can't maintain quality it's much easier if you funnel everything into a complaints team and everything's handed off and then it's picked up by the complaints team then you can control quality and you make sure your outcome testing is good. Yeah. So I, I've I've had that as a challenge. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, for complex complaints, I probably buy that, and that's why you need to identify them earlier. Yeah. More. For simple complaints, by and large, these are things that the contact centre agents will be doing as part of their day job as queries. I'm going to set up a standing order. I'm going to change an address. I'm going, to, and therefore you've kind of got to decide which is in which camp. And that's to do the runners and repeaters and rarities. Yeah. Runners, things that the contact centre agent would naturally do as part of their day job, then I don't buy that argument, right? You know, that actually, why would you not just say, well, just go on and fix it and make sure you do, you tick the box that says complaint. And if, if you systemically, you can get the complaint processes, you know, um, to, to run in the background, then that helps because, Often I hear the problem is, well, that means I've got to fire up the complaint handling system and I've got to retype a whole bunch of stuff in order to format the letter. So if you can be cute, if you can be cute systemically, that you just say, push a radio button to produce a letter that says I've resolved your complaints because it's picked up that it's Martin Doe that, you know, yeah. you know, then you can go and do that. But, you know, it's all about that triage that says, if it's left of this line, you should be able to capable of doing it and you should do it. And the standard Q&A processes of the contact centre doing their day jobs should be no different from them answering a complaint about those processes because yeah, okay. they should be equally accurate in both camps. However, if it's a complicated thing, then, you know, I do, I do have sympathy that if the, the, a frontline complaint handler may not see that, you know, it, it may only see it every two or three months. 
you know, I have a sympathy that they're not going to remember, and they've then got to start digging bits of paper out to say, how do I deal with this or what have you? Yeah. And the process needs to be slick to then hand that off to somebody who's... And, and that's your point. They're the rarities. They're the rarities. So they just need a way of dealing with them. Yes, exactly. You know, and, you know, 70% of all complaints are, like, could you just fix something that hasn't happened yeah. and that the contact centre can do? So the rarities are actually not... You know, they are rare, you know, that, that's the interesting word about it. They are rare, they don't happen frequently, but, but you know, they do probably require a bit of specialism in that. Okay, so let, let me try and do a summary of what we've talked about. Let's, let's see if I get this right, and you, you, you can challenge me back, as we always do. I'm hearing, why is it so important to get to the right person straight away? That's because customers' expectations, customers' time, how they're feeling when they come in. We do, it, it's, in, it's almost incumbent on an organization to organize themselves around the customer. I, I'm then hearing first person who takes the call, kind of doesn't matter what your model is, as long as they've got good listening skills, they're empowered financially and access to systems so they can do the right things for the customer and don't be scared about the financial limits because actually they won't abuse them um, and they will want to do the right thing for the customer and actually i think there's a lot of side benefits about engagement development things like that as you as you kind of walk through um you've got to be aware that there will be rarities there will be certain specialist uh complaints that are coming in and then that's all about the experience of the transfer and it, you know, whatever we want to call it, hot handoff, warm transfer, it's about getting to the right person and having very slick processes that enable you to get that call to the right person straight away. And that it's almost a seamless handover. It feels good as you get transferred. And then they pick it up and they run with it and they own it. And actually how those teams are organized kind of doesn't matter that's up to the organization as long as the person on the front line can get to that person straight away um and, and then they kind of just own it and see it through is that, is that a fair summary on what we've been talking well, about spot on martin i mean I, don't, I wouldn't correct anything you said the only build i would put on that is keeping it up to date because people change yeah. processes change um etc 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 so this is not a one and done thing this is a yeah you've got to keep revisiting it to make sure that everybody understands what the process is you know you know yourself if you train out something in an operation you've got to retrain it out six months later because people drift away it's not intentional but you know they they get into bad habits they then tell somebody else about the bad habit and it all sort of kind of just gets a bit fuzzy around the edges so you've got to relatively frequently and i think you know, a minimum of every six months just remind everyone like this is the shape the of the operation that we built and can we please comply with it and as things change you need a good mechanism to make sure that that disseminates out across all the teams and all the people so that they stay up to date that's a fantastic thing to finish on gavin because i'd have forgotten about that that i see a lot of firms do this they almost draw a line in the sand get everything set back up again and it works great after a month or two and everyone's got into it and then you revisit it 18 months later and everyone's questioning why it's not working as well as it used to and you're right 
things have changed, things have moved on. So it's that continual feedback loop and, and checking in that everything is still working as it should have been. Really, really great build, really great build. Look, Gavin, just a personal thank you from me. That was superb. Great catching back up with you and hearing your experience and uh, dangerous how aligned we were on that. But uh, hopefully people will find that beneficial. And thanks again for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you, Mark. If you found this podcast insightful and would like to listen to and read more on the Complaints Outlook 2021 themes, keep an eye out on our social subscribe to our podcast channel on your favorite streaming platform or just head over to huntswood.com insights and you can sign up to our mailing list and we'll make sure we keep you up to date with relevant articles blogs videos and more podcasts